0: Hello, hello, welcome back to the Purchase Optimize podcast. We're your hosts, Savannah Sanchez and Dara Denny. And today we have a really hot topic, literally. We are gonna be discussing the hot takes in DTC and digital marketing. We're gonna be rating them between what hot takes we think are good or bad, Um, because as you know, especially if you're on Twitter, marketers like to give a lot of hot takes um, some which we agree with, some which we don't. Um, and we have some of our own too. So, this should be a really fun episode of sharing what we're seeing working and which hot takes maybe you could apply to your own brand. So, I'm going to start this off with a fire starter. Um, yes. I would say a lot of my clients that I do TikTok for are on t- Twitter as well, which I love. That's how many people discover me. Um, I would say the negative of Twitter is that there are a lot of people trying to. Bait engagement, like get as many retweets as possible, get new um, followers, new leads for their agency, Um, and this has led to a lot of Twitter threads. If you're on Twitter, you've you've seen these oh, threads. the Twitter threads, <laughs> <laughs> and they usually have the little thread emoji. If if it's a thread, you know it's trash. Just kidding, but maybe
1: <laughs> um, I too. What's like kind of crazy about these Twitter threads, which I only just became aware of, like a few months ago is that nine times out of 10, the reason why these things get so big is because they have engagement pods on the back end.
0: Yes. That is so huge. I think that's a, a good point for brands to be aware of is like, you'll see like a, a Twitter thread that says like, how to increase your TikTok ROAS by 10X that we did for a client whatever, like a thread, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And they'll usually list out very specific strategies like We created 10 ad sets and each ad set had their own creative and we did equal budget. And every day we increased the budget on the ad set that was working and um, the creative was blah, blah, blah. So usually very specific. Uh, We were only targeting this lookalike. Um, And I think the problem with like very nuanced advice is that although it may work for that one ad account, it doesn't make it a generally good principle, especially if the advice goes against... The principles that we know are tried and true, like consolidation, getting through the learning phase, testing multiple creatives in the same ad set. So sometimes the tactics that they'll say, like "oh, increases your ROAS by 10x," is actually very much against like best practices. Although maybe may- they could be completely lying. And I think that's another mm-hmm. thing too. Understanding the motive behind agency owners. For sharing these tactics, like of course they're trying to get more TikTok clients or whatever it is, um, and like you said, a lot of them are involved in these engagement pods, which means that they have a group of ten people all in a text thread, and they say like, "Oh, like, you, like I just tweeted," and they'll go all retweet each other and like it, and so then it kind of gets like the fake engagement, and then people are like, brands always come to me that I work with, they're like, "Oh, I saw this like Twitter thread with like two hundred retweets about." how to increase your TikTok ROAS, like, do you think it's good advice? And I'm like, no, like, I don't think it's good for these reasons. But understand why they blow up is because of these engagement pods. And I don't know, it's, it's kind of, I, I see it as um, usually not good advice on these threads.
1: It's mostly about oh. self-serving that person or that person's business, as opposed to actually helping you as a marketer. And there's also, there's just tons of different motives at play with these things. So just, like, keep your wits about you, I'd say. And also keep in mind that if you are on Twitter – and actually, I recommend that everyone to get on Twitter and to watch these conversations happening. I think that, you know, one of the best best things you can do for yourself as a media buyer or a business owner is to see these conversations happening, but to take them with a massive grain of salt and also – realize that ultimately you have to be the one that curates your strategy that's right for your brand and your business or the business that you're working on and if you are piecemealing several different strategies and tactics that are all coming from other people and not coming from your learnings that's probably a very dangerous sign that you are on the wrong path
0: exactly i would say it's it's never interesting or popular to say i mean we always say it like to say like the truths in marketing like Have a great product. Have a great creative. Like consolidate your ad account. Like if I have tweeted that, I get like two likes. It's like everyone's like, yeah, no shit. You've said this for years, (laughs) and we'll keep saying it for years because we 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 really do believe in giving the best advice. And if that's what the biggest brands on TikTok are doing, you should do that. that. That's just my opinion, and I'm not I'm not going to sacrifice what I know to be true about these platforms and what works to try a brand new strategy that's proven by one person supposedly of like, let's separate out 20 different campaigns and mm-hmm. put each one at a certain um, bid. And it's just usually people tweet those things to try to make themselves sound smarter or to have like a secret strategy um, like away from the norm because tweeting the norm and what works and just saying you have to give a good product, good creatives and keep testing. It's not very sexy or retweetable.
1: It's not very sexy. It's also not great content for YouTube. As I have learned, <laughs> I've, I, I've always like, like YouTube is truly like my baby. Like I love doing it and I love creating content on there. But growing as like a creator on YouTube, it's all about virality. It's all about being clickbaity. And it's really hard to be like, it's really hard to do that unless I would be number one pumping out like two to three videos a week, not sustainable, cannot do, will not do. Or saying like, this one tactic will get you a 4X ROAS every single time. Like I would click on that, that thumbnail, everyone else would, but It's ultimately like that I can't create content like that because it does just boil down to the basics in many many instances. So I have a hot take and I'm interested for your perspective on this because I think that we're going to disagree slightly. (laughs) Can't wait. (laughs) But my hot take is, is that you cannot scale ad accounts with just UGC. Gasp. Gasp. I know. In fact, one of the things, one of the first things that I look at when I go into an ad account or I'm checking out someone's ad library is not just like what types of content that they're running, but like the diversity of content. And this is going to like actually encompass many different things. I'm going to take a look and I'm going to say, okay, are they accurately representing a diverse like amount of people in their ads or are they only focusing on like one demographic? That's generally a red flag. What type of imagery are they using? Is it all like focused in on just really one strategy and tactic? Are they only using image ads? Are they only using video ads? Are they only using UGC ads? Really what I've seen is that the accounts that are most scalable and have the most consistency are the ones that have winning ads that are image ads, some graphic-based ads, some high-end studio content, some UGC content. but. I'm interested to hear what what you'd say because I feel like for your clients you're producing UGC ads for them every single week. And correct me if I'm not if I'm wrong, but like that does not encompass like image ads or like graphic based ads, correct? It's just UGC.
0: We're just doing UGC TikToks. So I think I I totally agree with you on Facebook. Um, you need to have a brevity of different ad types like Carousels, images, mm. gifts, short videos, long videos, studio photography, and I think a lot of brands do hyper focus on UGC and they do ignore. It's sexy. Other... It is like I said. What if it, yeah, you don't yeah. find like winning Twitter threads about like static ads, like it's boring, you know. UGC is very sexy. It's the hot topic, um, and it works so well on TikTok. So that that what I would say is like where I disagree on TikTok. It, UGC is still king because. You have to look organic to that platform. Filmed with an iPhone, using TikTok text. So for TikTok, 100, you need to be doing UGC there. Um, I haven't seen like still images or graphics or product animation style videos work well on TikTok. Maybe Can one day. Can you even
1: post like an image on TikTok? Like, I don't what think would so. I think... As a user, like you would just like be Sparing like, what's happening? Going through your dopamine hit, like great content after like great content and then just an image that would be awful
0: (laughs) you know tiktok was really pushing for a while for brands to do like the dynamic product ads
1: oh yeah i remember that because like snapchat was doing that for a while too and both platforms i'm like this is not a thing please (laughs) no
0: and i talked to my tiktok reps about it i'm like "You, you keep telling me make tiktoks not ads make it look like a tiktok Yet you're pushing a product, the dynamic product ads, which just shows like a carousel essentially of the products in your feed. Like this looks nothing like a TikTok. This looks like an ad. Like why would this work? And they were like, yeah, like we agree with you. So um, <laughs> I think that they're they're kind of told by the supervisors like, oh, we have this new product, dynamic product ads, like try to get some more advertisers testing it. But, um, but yeah, I, I agree. Facebook, you need a brevity of content. I mostly focus on TikToks. That's where I'm just pumping out UGC and TikToks all day long. And I do see them, of course, perform well on Facebook and Instagram Mm -hmm. for stories and reels. But so important to not ignore like static images, product shots, all those things that perform well on Facebook in addition to UGC.
1: I really think, though, that we're going to see higher production values start to come up on TikTok over the next few months. Totally. it's something that i've seen more brands sticking like like sticking their feet into that's a weird way to say that but i've seen more brands stepping their, their toe that. into yeah yeah that's it i've seen more brands <laughs> and even creators starting to up their their quality of their production and I think part of this also has to do with YouTube Shorts. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think it's really interesting when I look at YouTube Shorts as a platform, they just completely skipped. They like went from just repurposing TikToks directly into high production value, just like nine by 16s. Mm. Like it's it's a really different animal and it's really interesting content wise. But I see now TikTok kind of starting to respond to that a little bit and like upping their production value. They also increased their, um, I think you can now have like 10 minute TikToks, which I've never seen. I have watched some three minute (laughs) ones, but even after like two minutes, I'm like, okay, please be quicker. Let's go. But I need to know the end of the story. Like,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I think that is the way, I think TikTok wants to replace TV and especially for Gen Z, like they do like short videos, like YouTube videos, five, 10 minutes. And so I think there is going to be a lot more high quality content coming out on TikTok. I would say for right now, like UGC is still doing best, like filmed mm-hmm. with an iPhone. Since that matches most of the content that's on TikTok, but I agree like forward think- thinking, it's definitely become more high production value and potentially longer stories.
1: Right. Another hot take that I have. And some people have heard me say this before, but I think it just always bears to, like, be repeated, is that, like, funnels in terms of, like, paid social are just not a thing. Like, you cannot have a Facebook ads funnel. The way that the algorithm is set up now, it's either, like, your ability to target and be sure that you're just targeting, you're retargeting audiences, you're just targeting your social media engagers, or you're just targeting your website visitors. This is a dead concept to me. And every once in a while, I still get people that hit me up and they're like, oh, well, I only show this type of content to people who viewed 50% of my prospecting ads. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't want to hear it. Like, this is a great way I would say to make you feel like you're doing your job as a media buyer, but it's not really a good way to scale. Like it's just so in the weeds and to, in my eyes, just completely unnecessary. Like when I do audits and I see these really complicated structures, like, and we have done this over and over again at thesis. We will take over these accounts. We will put it in a really standard two campaign, one campaign account structure and overnight results dramatically yep. get better and it's just not, it's like not surprising. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess this could also be the hot take that media buying is dead. You which know, a lot I of people tw- get up, which a lot of people get upset about.
0: <laughs> they do. You know, I tweeted that I think in January and it, I just got like berated on Twitter. Ruffled.
1: Like, some
0: feathers. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't even mean to like, fuck. Um, But I think what we mean by that is understand where you provide value. And I think there's incredible value for media buyers for reporting, attribution, creative strategy, of course, the implementation, having someone that's carefully setting the budgets, not adding an extra zero, uploading the content. That's so important. And there there always need to be those people who are implementing the ad account and reporting on results. And it's all about interpreting the data in the ad account, what you're seeing on third-party platforms and coming up with hypotheses and conclusions and continuing to test. And that way, media buying is incredibly valuable. I would say that's where media buying is dead in terms of the way that media buyers used to prove their value, which would be like audience testing. Like when I worked at an agency, we would separate out like 10 different ad sets, like bicycling ad set, running oh, ad wow. set, <laughs> all these different interests. And we would blindly think that facebook is going to actually serve ads to people who are interested in that but the way that facebook and tiktok categorizes who falls in interest is incredibly arbitrary and there's so much overlap that you can't prevent even if you're adding exclusions it really doesn't provide any useful data of even if you come to the conclusion oh, the bicycling ads that did better than the running one it's like okay now what like there's not really a good next step from there. And it's not even, you don't even know if that's true because you don't understand the audience overlap and the different interests or how someone even qualified to get into that interest audience. So audience um, testing, definitely dead. I really don't recommend it. You know
1: what's funny though is I will like push back slightly on that one.
0: (laughs) Okay, let's hear it
1: because it's it's interesting like i i agree with you fundamentally especially with scaling brands like if you're spending like over 250k per month 500k per month like broad targeting let it rip you have great creative resources and you are really doubling down on your creative strategy i think 9 times out of 10 brands will do just fine broad open broad no problems but I still continue to see for growing brands, the need to at least in some way stack interests that you think are applicable. Oh, totally. So, I agree so like, so like a lot, like a simple structure that I use and like that I have shown on my YouTube videos and that if I do consulting with smaller brands, I'm like, just do this. I'm not going to manage it because it's like, it's literally all that I would do is like You have one campaign. You have three ad sets. One is a stacked interest ad set that's just like your best guess. Or if you already have a bunch of data through your account, take out the ones that did the best, put them on that ad set, call it a day. Maybe the same thing for lookalikes if you're feeling bold. But I still tend to find, especially for like newer brands, that there can be value in that kind type of. I wouldn't even call it testing. I would just call it like an option for the algorithm. Like, are you going to look at interests? Maybe. Let's try that lever. Are you going to perform better with all broad? Possibly. There is also that option. Are you going to perform better with lookalikes? Maybe. Take a look (laughs) at that. But I think like the point that I will like underscore is testing out like 1%, 5%, 7%, 3% lookalikes. Please never do that. Like that's not something that I no, have done in, in the last year. <laughs> I am never ever testing single interest ad sets. Um, so like you're saying, bicycling, running. Like, where are you gonna go with that? Nowhere. Yeah. So that's definitely true. But I still like I still find in 2022 efficiencies can be gained by telling the algorithm, look through these interests. Look through these oh, look likes.
0: We're on the same page, girl. This is not a hot oh, take okay. by you. This is <laughs> this is a, a Savannahism. Um in my TikTok course, by I don't I actually don't like completely broad targeting. Like I when I think of broad targeting, I'm thinking of it the same way that you're describing it.
1: Oh okay.
0: Having one ad set and give the algorithm some guesses like mm. if you're selling makeup, like beauty, fashion, skincare, like stacking those interests all together until you get an audience of like 10 million plus or whatever it is. Um, It's to your point about like not separating them out into their different ad sets and trying to come to a conclusion that one interest is better than the next. But I do see that like stacking interests together as opposed to just not doing that and just leaving it completely broad. It always performs better. If I do give the algorithm some like signals to go off of, of like, Mm. I potentially think my person could be interested in beauty, skincare, fashion, um, whatever. And also on TikTok, they recommend interest for you. And whatever TikTok recommends, I toss it in there. They're like,
1: oh yeah, I remember that party of you're...
0: course. <laughs> yeah. So the recommended interest, and sometimes the recommended interests on TikTok are really weird. They're like, we think you should add in teeth whitening to your ad set, even though I'm targeting like beauty. I'm like, sure. If you think so, you have better yeah. data than me. So I just toss a bunch of interests in there and, and let it rip. And on Facebook too, they even have like a little I'll call it a warning on the ad set. They say like, even if you do select an interest, we're going to serve it to whoever we want to because we're better than you. That's essentially what they say. I think the way that they word it is like, select your interest, but we will reach beyond your interest if we think that performance will be better. So they're basically saying like, we don't really like, thanks for your suggestion. (laughs) But if we think your suggestions are trash, we're just going to take over. That's what that little... Message is saying when you're choosing the
1: interests. If I wish there was like a if Facebook were honest, they're <laughs> <laughs> so like,
0: sure, give us some ideas with your interests. But if we find someone in the teeth whitening interest and you put in bicycling interest, like we're going to serve it to whoever the hell we think is going to best convert. Because that's the ultimate goal of these platforms, like TikTok and Facebook, is to keep you spending money on there. They don't want you getting in the way of performance. Like Which buy. is why
1: they have these like these notices now because they realize in the back end, and I actually had someone from Facebook like, a few years ago tell me this, that they saw so many media buyers making bad media buying decisions that they were like, we have to override this somehow.
0: Yeah, <laughs> totally. And that's exactly what this, I think they call it like automated targeting expansion. And it rolled out like oh, yeah. a year or so ago. And that's exactly what they were saying is, you can tell us what interests you think might work, but screw you. And same for look-likes. It's automatically going to expand your look-likes to other people outside of your look-likes. So that's, again, why it's completely pointless to say a 7% percent lookalike of engagers perform better than a 1% look-alike of purchasers yeah. because these audiences are automatically expanded anyway. You're probably serving ads to the same people in both ad sets.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I don't think I've, I don't think at thesis we've talked about lookalikes in like six months. It's just yeah. such a non-point anymore, and they're just like so. They're just like kind of flops since like iOS fourteen. Um, do you have another hot take? Hmm. Oh, this is hard. You're putting me on the spot
0: here. I have one. <laughs> okay. While you keep it coming, because I, okay. I don't, I don't have any hot takes. Like I said, I'm, I'm vanilla. I say creatives is your number one consolidation. TikTok rocks, get some UGC. Like Nothing I really say is that hot. So you need to give you a fire starter.
1: Okay. So this one, (laughs) I think you're going to disagree with as well. So I'm interested to hear your perspective on it. But I think for the most part, the learning phase is bullshit. So I have heard a lot of comments on my YouTube channel and on Twitter about Dara, but, but what about the learning phase? What about X? What about Z? Regarding, you know, throwing your, it, particularly as it relates to creative testing. So hmm. I'd say about a year ago, I launched a video on YouTube that broke down exactly how Thesis does its creative testing. And I know, Savannah, you and I have talked many times about this. Oh, I, but I, I sent- forward that
0: to clients left and right. I think I sent <laughs> it to someone last week.
1: Yeah. So people are always we, like,
0: how do I creative test? I'm like, watch this video. <laughs> yeah.
1: So the bird's eye view essentially of how we do creative testing at Thesis is in any given campaign, nine times out of 10, we are going to have three campaigns. One is going to be your core prospecting campaign. One is going to be your creative prospecting campaign, and then the other is going to be your retargeting campaign. So let's just take a look at the two prospecting campaigns. Like I said, you have your core scaling prospecting campaign and your creative testing campaign. Inside of the creative testing campaign, the idea is this. Every time we have a new bet, a new batch of creatives to test, we will launch that in a net new ad set that is targeting a completely broad audience, with the idea being that if a creative is going to be getting good results on a broad audience, then it is most scalable. So if we get a winner from this ad set, we, you know, we start scaling it up in place in this inside this creative testing campaign. We continue to see good results, we continue scaling it up, then we decide, okay, we're going to graduate that creative to both the retargeting campaign and to the core prospecting campaign. For retargeting, it's really easy. We just copy the ad, drop it into our retargeting ad set, and call it a day. For our core prospecting campaign, this is actually where we have slightly different audiences. So we have another broad ad set there. Yes, there's going to be a little bit of overlap. And... We also have maybe like an interest stack, maybe a look-like stack. And we will duplicate that winning ad into all three of those ad sets in the core prospecting campaign. The number one question I get on this video is, my God, Dara, aren't you going to re-trigger the learning phase by dripping those (laughs) new creatives into that core prospecting campaign? How dare you? And my response is always, you have to choose Which, like, you have to choose which bullshit, like, Facebook ads, like, must do tactic or whatever. Like, you, what I'm trying to say is this you're always going to be performing some cardinal sin on Facebook. And yes, you are going to trigger the learning phase by dripping that new ad into the ad set. But that is a much better idea than not doing any creative testing. Because what are you going to do? Just let your campaigns scale and then die? Hmm. Like the best way to continue to actually get good results is to inject new creatives into your campaign, which I hate to inform you means you're going to trigger the learning phase. So I think I don't give a fuck about the learning phase as it relates to dripping in new creative into ad sets. I never want to hear about this again, in fact. (laughs) <laughs> is how much i hear about it. I get really? emails. I like when this like every once in a while like the YouTube algorithm will bless me with like more people going to that video mm. and then the only way i know about it is because i get five emails that are people are like, "Dara, what about the learning phase?" And i'm here to t- I want a t-shirt that says, "I do not give a fuck about the wedding phase."
0: <laughs> I love that. You know, i agree because i have clients that ask the same thing. Mm about the trade-off of Mm. building new creatives in an ad set versus resetting the learning phase. And I completely agree with you. It's so important to be creative testing on Facebook and to be injecting in new creatives each week. Yes, you are going to reset the learning phase. To what degree, that is unknown. It's not like you get like a a meter of like, you've now reset the learning phase by 98%. It's like, no, okay, yes. Anytime you make a change on Facebook, even if you up the budget by $5, you're technically resetting the learning phase. So I think it's all about um, understanding how much you can disrupt the learning phase in relation Mm. to how much you're spending. So I would say I have a client that's spending like $500 a day on TikTok ads. Mm -hmm. And they came to me and they were like, oh, we just got these 10 new video ads and we wanna test them to five new landing pages. I'm like, well, we need to like sequence this out so that we're not just like blasting the account with all this new stuff and disrupting mm-hmm. what's, cause we already have ads that's working like at $500 a day. So what I told them, and I guess it's kind of a compromise between the two approaches of like, yes, it's important to creative test and test landing pages, but also like, let's not just completely throw off what's working and give yeah. to talk like 30 new variables. So I was like, okay, let's pick one landing page to test this week. And we'll enter in um, three of the new creatives this week with a new landing page and bring it into our existing ad set that already has five good ads in there and let these three new ads run. So I think that's how I try to balance it of like, I, I typically find my clients building two new ads a week in mm-hmm. terms of new creatives to test is usually a good amount to give the algorithm some new juice, give it some new content to spend on, to keep learning whilst not just trying to, like, test too much at once where I'm dumping in 10 new creatives to three different landing pages and Mm -hmm. I have all these different copy variations that I want to test. I'm like, this is just too much at once.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it actually goes back to another point that you made. Just, like, I would be concerned if someone was triggering the learning phase if they were, like, tinkering and making, bad like, bad choices. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, you want to create an ad set that's targeting, like – Instagram only, and you're going to re-trigger the learning phase that way. That's a bad reason to trigger the learning phase. But I don't generally, inherently, especially as it relates to creative testing, believe that there's anything super detrimental that's going to go on by injecting new creative into already performing ad sets.
0: Yep. You, you run the risk of your ads, your existing ads, going down in performance mm-hmm. when you're not creative testing. So, I agree. I think it's always better to lean on the side of even testing too many creatives. Like, that's a better problem to have than not be testing enough. I think another thing with reciting new learning phase is some media buyers, let's just say you, you uploaded five new creatives and the next day they're like, oh, our ROAS is down. It's like, yeah, no shit, it's down. <laughs> Facebook is trying to see who the hell to serve these ads to. Like, it's testing. So, and then, but then they'll turn them off right away or they'll Mm -hmm. lower the budget by 50%. And that's where I have to kind of intercede and be like, yo, like, just let these sit for like five days. Like, let's see, give it some spend. Don't reduce the budget. Don't turn them off. Like you're not going to, and that's where I I reference the learning phase. I'm like, you need to like, let it learn and just let it sit for a sec, let it spend for a few days. And then we can uh, analyze and see if, if we need to pull back spend or turn a couple of variations off that are obviously bad performing. But I think that's where media buyers get a little like click happy with their mouse when they are mm. creative testing and they're like, oh crap, our ad set is now not performing. So I need to change the budget or turn off or launch new yeah. stuff. I'm like, let it chill, let it learn. And so I, I use the learning phase in that sense when talking to clients about not
1: touching their ad account so often. I would say the times that I talk about the learning phase is only in cases where you can't actually – according to, like, when you have, like, really small budgets on an ad set, for instance. Like, mm. say you have an ad set and, like, your your average AOV is, like, $250, but then your ad set is at, like, $10. I'm like, well, this is literally, like, saying to someone, hey, I'm going to give you a gallon of gas and I expect you to go from Ohio to Georgia. Good luck. Like, this is not th- – this is a way that you are, like – not you, you, where you're not interacting with like the learning phase smartly because you're just like not giving Facebook enough juice. So I think in that case is actually called learning limited. I'm not sure if they still have those like differentiations, but that's generally that's the only time when I'm like, yeah, maybe the learning phase is a problem, but never as it relates to injecting new creative <laughs> into an ad set. I yeah. need to make that absolutely clear. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really great point because I think
0: people do get overly nervous about resetting the learning phase. And I, I totally agree. Just test, test new creatives. It's always a good idea. Um, maybe space it out and so you don't have to test 20 new creatives in one day if you only have a $200 budget. So I think it's all, it's all about like kind of getting a groove with it and realizing that with media buying, there is maybe this is, maybe this is my final hot take. Like there is no winning like strategy or like things you have to do. Like it's not like you will fail on Facebook if you don't test 5 new creatives a week. You might do really well testing 2 creatives. Like don't be so nuanced in like the number of things. Like I must only have 3 campaigns or 2 ad sets. Like we're giving advice in terms of what we're seeing work with our clients, but if you're seeing something else work and it's different, like do that. Like don't don't blindly try to follow like formulas of I need 2 yeah. new ads each week, I need 2 campaigns, I need to get 50 conversions a week. It's learning limited. I need to turn it off. Like, no, like just be flexible with it and understand. And I think that kind of goes back to my first point about these Twitter threads. Sometimes weird stuff works and things that are outside of these norms. So you don't have to always be, like, don't be so pedantic with trying to follow formulas. Really just focus on getting better creatives, continually testing and learning, getting better each week. And, um, and seeing incremental improvements rather than trying to follow a specific formula for success.
1: I love that. I think that there are, if this can be my final hot take, there are multiple ways to win, even though Savannah and I say the same things over and over consolidate (laughs) creative strategy. Think about your landing pages within those like parameters. There's multiple ways to win. And like, there's always an edge case. Like I can think all day about like a banger of a creative strategy and sometimes it is a product photo on a white background that works. I have not seen that recently for what, it, for what it's worth, <laughs> but I'm not like rolling it out as a possibility for the future because there are multiple ways to win. And just because someone says something on Twitter does not mean that you have to win that way. You ultimately have to do what's best for your business. And a lot of that is just, you know, getting learnings based on your own data. 100%. You do you. That's what this is all about. Figuring out what
0: works for your brand. Every brand is so different. Take advice with a grain of salt. Ultimately, test and learn. That's all you can do. And that's what I sometimes say to clients when we find like a weird Twitter strategy and they're like, should we test this? I, I give my good reasons of why I don't think it would work, mm-hmm. but I ultimately end the sentence with, but if you want to test it, like I'm happy to test it and see if it works mostly to prove it wrong, like that it doesn't yeah. work, <laughs> but you know, I thought, there, there is no, um, magical solution. And I also tell us to clients, I'm like, if I knew how to print money using TikTok or Facebook, I would be on my private Island right now and not on this call. So I like to throw out that quote every once in a while just to bring it back to earth of I'm not here with a magical formula. Yeah. I'm here with general strategies and uh, observations of what works and not, but if I knew the formula, trust me, I would not be making this podcast. You would see me later. I'd be on the beach. So <laughs> I um. love that.
1: I'm definitely going to use that <laughs> line sometimes because that is something too that I try to tell people like a lot of times like I'll get people like hitting up my DMs and they're like I need you to look at my ad account or I need your specific guidance. Like you are the person mm. I trust. And the reality is, is that like I have a perspective and I have opinions on how you can do that. And it might not be right for your business. You know, there, ha- there are people where their entire jobs are to grow and scale multi million dollar businesses. And you know what? Sometimes they're wrong. It's called VC funding. <laughs> and like, True. you Lots know, they all, <laughs> And like, none of this is a for sure thing. So at the end of the day, you just have to find, you know, people you trust and gather your learnings one at a time. And I think that's a good note to end on.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) I totally agree. Well,
0: I love where this conversation went. If you have a hot take, please put it in the comments, whether you're watching this on YouTube, seeing our smiling faces or on any podcast streaming platform. Let us know in the reviews, what's your hot take on this podcast? Is this a good podcast? Is this trash? Hopefully you're loving it. Let us know what you want to see more of. Um, We're excited to discuss all these new topics. So let us know what you want to learn and um, we'll make sure to keep giving you our best advice week over week. So thanks again for joining us. See you next time. Bye.